You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. I miss you. I miss you too. It's been uh, a lot of new things. So Remy starting middle school and me starting as a preschool teacher. And then keeping the fire and the coals going with Fox and Hanger and figuring out when to do a certain exercise. It's just, it's been a lot of trying to figure out all the moving parts. So I feel confident where I stand now. I didn't so much during the week several times, but I'm glad the dust has settled. How are you? You're my role model. And I am not doing as well as you with keeping all my balls in the air. Although, and oh, here's one thing. I, I got very sad and very frustrated because I've been talking about these books I'm writing for yeah. since the start of the year. Little did I know, uh, I looked back on the, the last modified date of the first version of the young adult book I'm writing. And the date of the last modified date was October 2020. Mm. It is October 2023. And I have spent over three years working on this book. It just like instantly frustrated me because I'm like, I can't believe it's taking me so long to get this thing, like even at the spot it's at, it's still mm. not done yet. Mm. And so that took a lot of wind out of my sails for a while. I really was depressed about it, depressed about yeah. that book, depressed about the other book. And I know, Julie, you can come back at any point and say, but look at all this other stuff you're doing. And you got this and these podcast appearances and our podcast and the other podcast. And you got so many things going on. I'm like, yes, of course, you're right. You're always right, Julie. But in that moment, it didn't make me feel any better. I have in my head a very specific timestamp of completion. And my first book th took three years to write because I didn't know what I was doing. So for this one, I feel in my heart that I shouldn't have to take more than a year, a year and a half to get something done, especially with my writing. But I have to be kind to myself and I'm trying to be. But yeah, when I saw that just all on the same list of Word documents that I saw that at the very bottom, I'm like, holy shit, I'm taking forever. <laughs> right, right. And, and I think that rather than saying, but you're doing this and this and that, because that's the obvious, I would venture to say, give yourself some grace, but it sucks. It's frustrating. Yeah. It is definitely a disappointment to you and how you foresee the dedication and discipline you have to your craft. And at the same time, you've been, <laughs> I mean, the obvious, you've been doing so much. So when you do so much and you write another book and all this, something's going to get dusty. <laughs> like mm -hmm. something's, you can't work at top speed on everything. It is about striking the, that balance, but it's also about accepting that some books, some movies, TV shows take so long. And maybe that's because creatives go in lots of different directions. And so it's just something they pick away at at some point. Yeah, it's real. Your feelings are real. And I understand. And, and 
I know you. So I know something <laughs> like that would be frust- frustrating for you. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think that I'm a little more in charge of my deadlines because I only deadline is being imposed is by me, my internal deadline or my fixation on when I think I should get things done. But there are things like this show, appearances at work, my relationship, and other things that are real-time things that need to be done in real time. Whereas this is not a hobby, but it's, it's writing. It'll get done when it gets done. But it, I thought it would be done quicker. And it will be. Ironically, my book is now up to 660 pages. Wowza. Wowza. <laughs> yeah, build a whole fourth act in it screw the third act well i mean (laughs) that may or may not contribute to the fact that it's taken three years (laughs) maybe not you know what i mean like we have to add that to the mix in saying that it is many pages and you'll know when you stop and it's over i will know when the hero and the heroine win the day i will know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, but I'm getting there. I had to rewrite uh, this. Now we're getting to the writer's corner here for a quick yes. second before we dip into the real deal. Yeah, I found that. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Joey, but in my writing, sometimes you paint yourself in a corner by either having too many characters or not enough characters and you don't really develop anything. And then like where I'm at right now, I'm like, but I need these characters. But I can't just introduce them now. Because mm-hmm. it's 620 pages in. You can't just, oh, yeah, by the way, there's this other guy. So I had to go back and find peripheral NPC characters that I hadn't it done anything with. And I found a bunch of them to actually add to what I need going forward. So I went back. I developed them more, but still background characters. And now that now they're coming to the forefront. So it's that kind of thing, trying to tie back a lot of things I did previously under development develop them, reintroduce them. So it all like works together. Now, is this like when you do who done it and then the person at the end explains it all because it really doesn't make any sense otherwise. Wait, you said MP. NPCs. It's like basically a non-participating character. Like, all right, you are just like throwing out the mix. I can know what you're talking about or the (laughs) listeners remember them. Hey, Hey everyone. (laughs) Uh, We're just talking about writing, geeking out here. (laughs) You expect us to know that? Um, no, <laughs> no, we don't. But speaking of, you expect us to know that. No, we don't. You recently, <laughs> you like that? I do. Three days ago, your appearance on the Ed Lowe podcast oh, was yes. amazing. Oh, thank you. And I recommend everyone check it out. It is very much your wheelhouse. And It was interesting listening to a conversation about something that you and I know very well with someone who's, I know you hate the word normie, so I won't (laughs) use it, but if I did, with someone who's not in this world we've created and who is trying like everyone else in the world to, to just get all the things yeah, so they don't offend someone, so they're on the right track. And I think we're just missing the moment to just be like, I just have to figure out myself and I need to be generous and kind and open to any type of human that I will come across. And maybe this guy that you had this amazing teaching seminar with will then go on Instagram, find some trans people to follow, have a conversation about what he learned and share it with someone else who doesn't know 
because you are a truth teller and you have really researched this and embodied this for so long. You're a wealth of information. And so when someone offers you wisdom about something that you are just trying to get, the best thing we can do is listen and learn from it and just keep on trying to be a better human. You yeah, know? totally agree. Thank you for the yeah, the shout out. That's uh, Josh Edlow. Uh, he is an attorney, a wrestler, is a Mormon. He is a Whoa. family man. And so, yeah, check out Edlow podcast. He is uh, a conservative as well, and he loves having these enlightening conversations with all people from all walks of life yeah. to bring on his show. And we spent nearly two hours in conversation. It was fantastic. He was probing, but respectful. He made it a little bit uncomfortable a couple of times here and there, but nothing that wasn't ready to talk about. But yeah, it was really lovely. I really had a good time. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm glad I didn't know he was a Mormon conservative and all that before listening because I would, I mean, he's a wrestler, whatever. You could have told me that. <laughs> but because I would have came to it with a little more heat and prejudice. No, he, no, he's a, an amazing but he's person. he's great. Yeah, he really is. He really is. And I didn't mean to say, you know, that's so hypocritical. Hate and prejudice. Did you hear me? I did. And I was like acting like it's cool. No. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I own my part and we're all works in progress. Right. Hey, Julie. Hey, 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 Savannah. Don't be not cool. Be cool. Ha. Countess Luann de la Seps from Real Housewives of New York. There you go. All right. You actually quasi segued into the topic today. Really? Which is about being your best self, being truthful and authentic to everybody around you and who you meet. And you and I actually received through the, the Fox and Phoenix podcast on Facebook, we received a message from a lovely person named Charlotte, who was asking about, can we hit on this topic? So I'm going to read what she wrote to us, and then we can get into it. How's Sounds this? good. Oh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So Charlotte says, hello, Savannah and Julie. My name is Charlotte, and I am a relatively new listener to the podcast. Hey, welcome. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back. I was going to say that, but she never came back, but she's now. So then I had <laughs> to create some iteration that sounded awkward where I was like, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, it didn't, it, whatever. Charlotte says, I am 55 episodes in as of this message. So I am sorry if I am already covering materials previously discussed. I am also sorry if my letter is all over the place which I will tell you, we receive a lot of all over the places and we love it. Yeah, because we, we're all over the place. Let's be honest. Hell yeah, we are. I mean, people have commented on that. I love your all over the place nature. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. That, and again, that's how you come to the table. That's how you express your feelings and ideas. All the better. Yeah. So she says, as I said before, my name is Charlotte. I'm 34 and I have been cross-dressing since around the third grade. I recently came out to my parents with the love and support of my wife. And one of the things that was discussed with my parents was some of my behaviors and activities that I used to hide, hide from my feminine side. I have always liked sports in general, but I had no real interest in playing them myself with baseball being the only exception to that role. By the time I entered eighth grade, the thought that something was wrong with me was eating away at me immensely. I had been seeing a mental health professional for a few years because I would violently lash out at people 
and I was struggling in school with my grades. I know that my therapist was stumped because I was telling her anything and everything I could think of to tell her except for my cross-dressing. I was raised in a Catholic household and went to a Catholic school in terms such as conversion therapy were not unfamiliar to me. In eighth grade, I decided entirely on my own that a possible outlet for my frustration with myself and to put on a more masculine presentation would be to play football. My parents did not know my motivations, but my, my therapist did say that it might help with my violent outbursts, so they didn't object. The violence did go away, but the fear, frustration, and sense of shame did not. My heart was never into football or the weight training classes that I took in high school, and it was apparent to my coaches and my parents as they struggled to motivate me to care. I ended up quitting football my senior year and traded one thing for which I lacked motivation for another, joining in the Navy for five years, all in a desperate effort to feel masculine and hide slash hide from my feminine side, which of course didn't succeed. I was wondering if cover-up behaviors is a subject that could be discussed. Again, I am sorry if this already has been covered in an episode beyond where I am in the podcast now, 55 episodes in. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Sincerely, Charlotte. P.S. To my relief, it turns out I grossly underestimated my parents' love for me and the acceptance of the things that made me happy and my whole self. Oh, wow. That's yeah. beautiful, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It really I mean, is. Yeah, I can't wait to unpack this because it happens all the time. It's just, it's like armor. You build a wall, you build some armor around this truth of who you truly are, especially men, and you just, wow, yeah, I have so much to say on this topic. Maybe you can start and then we can just riff. Riff you riff raff? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The first thing I want to say is, Charlotte, thank you so much for bringing this. Okay. We have spoken about this as little conversation points to other topics that we've covered. I want to also say kudos to Charlotte's wife and to their family, parents, mm -hmm. who did fully embrace who they are as a person, which I think is so commendable and so lovely. I wish, as we have spoken recently, wish I had to have the strength to come out to my parents and be completely surprised by their magical acceptance of me. But again, too late for that for me. That's okay. I want to start with an anecdote from Wah, which is not probably necessarily about cross-dressing, but I did feel out of place growing up. Mm. I never shared my cross-dressing with anybody, especially in my pre-adolescence and my adolescence. But you know, like in high school, there was a general need to fit in or wanting to fit in. I was fairly much a bookworm. I did well in classes. I got good grades. But I really didn't have any other extracurricular activities that put mm -hmm. me in any of the social clique groups right. other than being a misfit and a nerd or a mm -hmm. geek. And at the time, back when I grew up, being a nerd and a geek was not a good thing. <laughs> it was not like, oh, you like Marvel and you collect comics? That's so cool. But back then, it was like a reason to get the shit beat out of you. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So with that said, I also did what Charlotte did for different reasons. I wanted to fit in. So I went out for the football team mm. in my junior year. And as a result, knowing I was not very athletic, 
<laughs> growing right. up. I mean, I was okay, but I was not coordinated. I did not have any innate ability athletically. I wasn't like a prodigy. I just did my best. I did the workouts. I, I did the training. We had two a days. And for people who don't know what that is where you go do running drills and passing for two oh, hours oh, twice oh, a day oh, in the summer. Oh. And that's just to prepare for this season. And after all that, even though I tried up for the varsity team, they demoted me to the junior varsity team because I was not that good. And I'm okay with the fact that I was But not you that had good. great legs. I have great and a, legs. And a great ass. Like, let's just <laughs> at least let's just call it what it is. You just had probably muscular thighs, major calves, and a tushy of the gods. So you probably didn't even have to wear padding, although that would have been a great time to incorporate some underdressing. Like if you're able to go back in time and like replay that. Yeah, I probably wouldn't because knowing me, somebody would tackle me and be pulling me down from my breeches and all of a sudden- Or your ponytail. I I didn't have one back then. I was clean clean cut back in my uh, high school days. And I I was always afraid because again, you got to go back to the locker room and what are you going to do? Wait for everybody to leave to change out of your sweaty clothes. And they said, why do you have a thong on? Yeah, I'm really not really the type of place for all that. So probably even if I were to relive it, I would not choose that as like, hey, you know what would be a good thing to do now? Hey, let me wear pants. I know. That being said, I understand to a point what Charlotte is saying about trying to do those things that are socially acceptable for boys or girls and try to fit into the group that is not the one that's being targeted by other groups. You want to be in the cool group. Everybody wants to be the cool kid. Everybody wants to associate with the cool kids. Unless you are super, super comfortable with who you are authentically and be like, F you cool kids. I'm being my own cool kid over here. All on my own. To Charlotte's point, I do know that there are many people who go ultra masculine, mm-hmm. either purposefully or subconsciously in an attempt to try to, one, feel more in tune with their bodies, their masculinity as a biological male, or to suppress these socially unacceptable feminine qualities that they may be experiencing, feeling, not understanding. Yeah, all of that. Think about going through puberty and beyond and just noticing that you're not fit and that you're skinny and that you look feminine oh god i look feminine it will get out or whatever it is toxic masculinity is everywhere Mm. and it's really interesting one thing i've heard about why men beef up beyond the trans lens of it all is to get the girl Mm. to get the girl why they keep their hair at a certain length oh because a girl said it looked cute that's really influential but if you if there's a part of you that wants to be the girl or wants to get the girl so you can do girly things. That's some scary shit. If you're young and you're not fully understanding this all, that this is okay, it's a huge shame. And why wouldn't you protect this huge shame with some muscles and some aggression? And Caitlyn Jenner is a perfect example of this. Yes, Bruce Jenner was a prodigy in the athletic severe, of course, but watching the documentary and hearing Caitlin talk about how being so fast and being muscular helped them to escape this female self that they were. 
exactly what we're talking about today. I get it. I understand it. I feel like I can put myself in the mindset that I would do this, the same thing. And surviving middle school and high school, it's survival. I use mm. the word surviving intentionally because that's what it is. To survive any battle, we wear uniforms and we wear uniforms to protect us. We figure out what's in so we're not in the not in group and we conform just so we don't stand out or we don't, we're, we got the memo, we came correct. It must feel really painful if on top of that, you have some dysphoria or you have some part of yourself that you hate so much when it pops up that you need to just beef up, you need to be a bully, you need to beat people up, you need to fight, you need to just use that confusion and turn it to aggression and just want to tear this shit down. I get it. I understand how it happens. It's a very common story. It's survival. Yeah. Yeah. And if I think I said in the last episode or two, we are not built for happiness. We're built for survival. In yeah. adolescence, anytime you ask anybody, so would you go back to high school knowing what you know now and living through that life again? And so many people are like, hell no. So I don't want to live through my adolescence again, especially in today's adolescence versus back when I did go through school. God, even with the knowledge I have, it would be terrible. I don't know if people remember this. Some people will. In the back of comic books, there was ads mm. before they started costing a fortune. They used to have ad spots for things. And one of the things I remember was like a three-panel comic strip of a scrawny kid with a girl under an umbrella sitting on a blanket, and then this big muscular guy comes by and kicks sand in his face. Uh, and the whole point was like, don't be that scrawny kid and, and be the target. You be Charles Atlas. You be the strong one, and you can yeah. you can become better by being stronger and being fit and muscular and you won't be the target of bullying anymore right which is like a bullshit thing where it's like we're not allowed to be scrawny because back in those days you weren't allowed to be scrawny because you were going to be a target no matter what so in order to compensate you need to not be like everyone else be the most buff individual be the one who's the most popular so in order to get out of your own way you had to become something else which is a terrible thing to have to be and i think in today's world we're starting to realize you don't have to be like somebody else you should be like you you should be the best you you can be not be like the socially acceptable other person in order to like you said find conformity Conform to what everybody's doing, because otherwise, if you look different and act different, you're going to be the one people are looking at. And I know I said a little while that I heard the number one reason why men beef up is to get the girl. There's also another reason. There's so many reasons. And I just, I would like to retract the statement, Your Honor, because <laughs> one of the things also is if you're being bullied, why wouldn't your goal in life is to get really strong or figure out how to fight back. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you practice running on the track every day just so you can run the fuck away and run faster yeah, than the yeah. bullies? Why wouldn't you do everything in your power to not appear weak? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And now I'm going to read off uh, a couple of things I found. I was look, I do some research for this episode. I was looking for reasons why people hide their gender hmm. okay 
one of the things is that if you have a behavior that's not of the social societal norm that everybody understands like this is the norm anything outside that whether it's gender nonconformity or sexual nonconformity if you have behaviors and physical characteristics that are outside of that it may invite and incite victimization mm-hmm. and that's for people who are being loud and proud and being themselves even in today's world that's still like a target for bullying whether political with the hundreds of laws in place for getting rid of gender affirming care or drag shows or story hours or being able to use your own pronouns and names in school whether you're a student or a teacher what we're being taught i mean all these things are in play in today's world so where i was doing it because it wasn't socially norm where I was like, I don't want to share with people because people might see me strangely. In today's world, it's almost worse because now it's become, oh, I can be this person? That's amazing. Oh, wait, if I decide to be this person and define myself as that type of person, look at all the hatred, like the overt hatred and targeting that's being done on the levels now for kids. So I can definitely understand in my day wanting to keep it to myself so I'm not ostracized, but people now have the ability to say, wow, that is a real thing that I can be or associate myself with or see myself as, but then like, oh shit, society seems to be getting even more extremist when it comes to a person like myself. Yeah. And the narrative that at least I'm seeing is that we're not into bullying and every gender queer person and whatever your sexuality is goes and everyone's good and be yourself. Depending on where you live, depending on the type of school you go to, depending on a lot of factors, there is a space now where people have so many more options to be who they are or experiment experiment with who they are and know that there's so many options. I think that narrative has some truth, but but depending on where you live, depending on what your stuff is, because there are people in the South, in the Bible Belt, in all that, that have such strong beliefs that if a parent lets their child be who they are, they are giving them permission to live this lifestyle, to change genders, that somehow the parent is responsible and allowing it and permitting it. And they just wouldn't stand for that. They just wouldn't give their kids the choice to be themselves or, or to go down a path that was different. There's a lot of people that believe that. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of suicide. There's a lot of the social media piece. The reason why I'm so passionate about working with trans teens, and I'm lucky to have a handful I'm working with right now, is because there's that social media aspect where you can be outed, where you can feel lonely, feel isolated, feel like the only people that understand you is inside a phone, Mm -hmm. is inside a world in your hand and sweet. I can hide even more and everyone else is on their phone. So they're not, I'm not a target. I mean, there's so much about this world that is, has gone in the good direction. And at the same time, it's given people with opposing views permission to act so extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really such a weird 
modern double-edged sword. Like, how would I feel about growing up in today's age? But I grow thinking about today's growing up is based on 50 years of what I endured. Mm. If I knew in 1975 to 1980 that these things, like to be genderqueer and nonconforming and non-binary and dual gender were words in the vernacular. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I knew that. But what would it be? Would it be more stigmatized back then because it would just be a larger bucket of words that people hate versus the modern societal acceptance to a point Yeah, that like the words exist and there's some acceptance of his existence as something you can be and is true. But then the, the bubble is constricting in such a way that, like you said, there's so much fear, societal fear. We can't let people choose this because it's not normal. And that just, it's like the victors write the history, right? No, this is what we define, whether religiously, culturally, socially, and we're not going to allow anything other, any other crazy behavior to happen that can't just, we just won't allow that, that people are in charge or the extremism that is also in charge is really pushing that point of, yeah, we see it existing. Therefore, we need to squash it because right, obviously it can't not- be good. Right. Not on my watch. I'm going to defend the humanity of the United States of America. Like, I, I'm going to keep. Oh, nice. Salute. Salute. Um, <laughs> America. I am right. And for me and my world that I've created, I have no tolerance for those kind of people. But at the same time, I am very aware that it creates a prejudice in me and a, a hatred in me. Like I said at the top of the episode, I don't know. It's. It goes both ways. I think it's yeah. what you're saying is that, that yeah. like the, the hatred that we feel towards us and for the allies, for us, which is you and me, we feel the hatred towards us. So there's almost a humanistic and animalistic response to that is by hating that group that is hating us. It just is it's almost it's a very human response to be like, oh, you don't like me? Why well, don't I like you? It's like it, it gets very combative, right? Either mentally, emotionally, physically, socially, it all comes out. I don't think there's anything wrong with it uh, because it is a very human response. So I do not condemn you for your feelings. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. It's your instinct to be like, I want to protect myself and the people I love. And you, person, society, organization, political party, whatever, you are doing all you can do to endanger me. Therefore, I have fight in me against you. And it's very human to have that. We just got to figure out that it's not everybody. Like I said, with Josh on the Edlow podcast, it is not all Southerners. I've always had very lovely responses to Savannah here in the South, where I go places for the most part. I've never had hatred thrust upon me, although I don't put myself in situations where that would be more likely. But yeah, it was about me thinking that everybody in the South was going to be condemning me, but they aren't. Like there are very religious people, there are very conservative people, very traditional valued people, Southern people that love me for who I am and don't have a problem. It's not about the term that defines the whole, it's about the individuals within that whole that we need to really focus on. With that said, um, some of the other things I found out today or was reading through today, and I, this is a direct quote, and I will put this in the show notes, the actual thesis from the University of Montana from this gentleman. People are compelled to conceal personal info that is 
intrapersonally distressing and socially compromising. The more distressing or socially compromising that personal information is, the greater the imperative to conceal and the more likely the individual is to do so. So again, none of us want to put ourselves physically in a compromising position out in the world. And it's just, again, human nature to protect ourselves. We have a self-preservation that is built within all of us. Some may be super intense, some may not. But when you're fighting against a tide of social conformity, where the person you are is not the norm, very much you're going to be that person that wants to, oh, you know what? I don't believe in this. I know who I am as a person, but I'm going to do all I can to fly under the radar so that I don't bring more grief onto. And Charlotte, just to bring it back to the letter and our dear listener, Charlotte had mentioned how she, I don't know what the words were, but basically that she didn't give her parents enough credit Mm -hmm. for loving and honoring and cherishing and being okay with whatever she was into. And to that, I want to say it was survival. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. It's a very realistic option that they wouldn't love and accept you for this thing, that they wouldn't be okay or comfortable. And yes, they love you deep in their core, but there are transphobia, there are generational stuff. And the idea that the dream of who you viewed your child to be and to go is somehow compromised because of this information. Right. So I'm so glad you're in a place, Charlotte, in your feminine self, that you're able as a grown up to be able to talk to your parents and get the love. Because who knows, maybe they wouldn't be able to when you were the years and years and years that you were younger and that you wish you knew so you can get that time back. I always say things come out, truths come out, conversations happen when they're supposed to. And you and your parents had a lot of growth to do to get to the point where they were able to hold space for this. I believe it was meant to be at this time. And I'm really thrilled for you that it went so well. Right. And having a supportive wife who also Charlotte could lean on as part of this reveal. The world had to change. Yeah. The world had to change to be in this place for an accepting wife because she's living in the world and and she knows that this is not a shameful thing. Mm. She knows we got more information. We're changing. So yeah, the the times had to change in order, I believe, for this to go so smoothly. Agreed. Agreed. And I want to uh, bring up one other point from Charlotte's letter, which was when they didn't find solace in football, they quit. And then immediately upon graduation, they decided to go into the Navy, which is a very masculine thing to do. Although in the military's defense, there are many militaries around the world that both men and women participated. It's only the American military seemingly that's all about don't ask don't tell we don't want gays we don't want trans people we yeah. really don't want women if we can afford it but it's all about men rah 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 people yeah. love guns and that's the men we want to fight our battles but i will say that there are many stories i've heard where going into the military joining a police force doing something that is risky bodily risky are things that People do one, even weightlifting. It's like you make yourself this uber masculine Adonis so that your head can somehow trigger itself to believe what it's seeing. 
And I've heard stories, unfortunately, of people who join the military because they have this something unfulfilled in their soul and they don't care. Like they almost go into battle without worry of surviving. Right. They'd rather have almost like death by police or death by enemy. Whereas, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to act like this superhuman hero because I just don't care. I don't care about right. who I am. If I survive, I survive. And if I don't, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, yeah, we have a lot of listeners that I've met that have served this country. And I think that it makes so much sense on so many levels, especially if your family was in the military or especially if your parents are very much pressuring you or bringing it up because they want to harden little pink feathers that are popping up, if you will. Mm-hmm. I feel as someone who is trying to control a cross-dressing story or a dual gender reality, it only makes sense that they would go into a place where they're not individualized or a freaking group. It's discipline, it's physical, it's doing all the stuff that gets out of their head and gets out of their urges, if you will. So it, it makes a lot of sense why there are so many trans people in the service. Yeah. What's more conforming right. than going into the military? Like you said, you're a number, you're a uniform. Somebody tells you how to live, breathe, act, think in order to be the Eat best. That. Yeah, to be the best warrior you can be. So yeah, I could definitely see why that would be maybe not attractive, but a option. Attractive. Uh, I like yeah. attractive for me because it just feels like this is the answer. This yeah. is the solution. And if I step out of line, I will be yelled at and embarrassed. And that's what I need. That's soothing to me because I've been living under this cloud of shame with the secret. I need to go somewhere mm-hmm. or else I, or I won't survive. Yeah. I can't be here. And I get it. Yeah, I get it too. And I just want to, before we wrap up, Going back to the letter Charlie had said, I ended up quitting football my senior year and traded one thing for which I lack motivation for another. Joined the Navy for five years, all in a desperate effort to feel masculine and hide and hide slash hide from my feminine side, which of course didn't succeed. Yeah. You know how the tr- there's a the term forced femininity? Mm. It's like going there with forced masculinity. Oh my God. I never right? thought that way. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. Ooh girl i I know i know my nips just got hard (laughs) (laughs) that's that's absolutely the truth and charlotte willfully and willingly subjected themselves to going to the surface so yeah they took on the role of nope i'm asking you to make a man out of me yes yes yeah sign me up because i'm not getting the memo i don't understand it sign me up put me through the machine, then I'll come home a man. It's so profound. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. You really hit it on the head in a lot of ways where we subject ourselves to all these stereotypically masculine things in the hopes that we will come up, like you said, come out of the machine, come off the conveyor belt. Yeah. Write it. A new person. A new person. The the man they were supposed to be. The man they couldn't figure out how to do on their own. Yep. It was too much and Ooh. make a man out of me. Sign up. Yes, you can. Yes, well, we can. actually, you just blew my mind. My nips are also a little hard. Ah, uh, as a result. Twinsies. <laughs> twinsies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That makes complete sense because when you put it into the 
psychological nature of forced femininity, where you are giving yourself, surrendering yourself over to a dom in order to make a woman out of you and take the responsibility out of your own mind. Yes. So basically, yeah, Charlotte did the same thing. And I'm, I'm sure this may apply to many of our listeners who they said, I can't fight. I can't fight this feeling anymore. anymore. <laughs> oh, is that the word? Comment <laughs> below with the lyrics. With the lyrics from REO Speedwagon. My God. I mean, at least I know the band. But yeah, to give yourself over to somebody to say, make a man out of me because I don't understand how to deal with not being this man that my biology demands of me. Make me hard. What? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Make <laughs> me hardened. That is hilarious. You and I have literally switched places because normally I'm bringing all the sex and you're like, oh, tee hee hee, curtsy. No, you're not like that, but you know what I mean. And you said it. You said a thing hard. Well, you said hard and I just laughed. So, (laughs) oh. So it's still you bringing it to the table. That's okay. I probably, you didn't mean it that way, but I took it that way. I'm so glad one of us got to. All right. Wait, hard is it? Wait, hard as in penis, but not hard as a rock? So, so you were making nice. a penis reference. I was making a penis reference, yes. Nice. Oh, <laughs> sweet. That's what I thought. Doing my best. Doing my best. Go ahead. Wrapping everything in a bow before we go off the beep, beep, beep. Oh, my God. They're going under. Before we go off the road completely. Mm-hmm. Savannah, this was a great episode. And I hope that Charlotte knows just how thankful we are that she took the risk reached out to us and suggested a topic please everyone take a note and we appreciate it and we love it and we may not get to everyone's suggestions but we put them in a file and they do resurface so we always appreciate it and yeah thanks for going on this journey with us yeah and hey you know i know charlotte has like a hundred episodes to go before she hears this but hopefully she'll be excited when she does (laughs) yes yes So, bye for now. Until next time. Wait, I said mine really slow. Can I do it again? You absolutely do it again. (laughs) Bye for now. Until next time. Do you want a second option for you? Yeah, let me do a second. Give me a lead in. Okay. Biggity, biggity, bye for now. Until next time. Love it. Nailed it. (laughs) Thank you. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor copyright 2023. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends, tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening, give it a five-star rating, or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast 
or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix podcast underscore.